Okay, what about what about this time? Is is coming in clear now, yes. Yay! You know what I think happened? I keep my phone muted. And so I uh think that's probably why it wasn't coming through before. Well, thank you for coming on to the show to talk about your experience. Thanks okay. for having me. Um, you know, I don't I don't get to interview a lot of people who either are legally blind, completely blind, or visually impaired mm-hmm. about their language learning um journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time, it's um, some people are shy. They don't want to talk about it, you know, but I think it would help, you know, a larger amount of sighted people out there understand, you know, how we, uh, you know, do things. Perspective. Mm-hmm. I agree. Especially when it comes down to traveling and being, you know, visually impaired because there's certain parts of the world where, we're shunned true because we're we have a disability so and the fact that you actually traveled with your family to go to egypt that you know i was like this story needs to be told so so, um usually what i do is um it's mostly an open conversation you know you pretty much tell about you know how you got started with languages and you know Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we go from there. Okay. Sounds good. I'm excited. Um, just to let you know, we're recording right now. Okay. So, uh, welcome to the show. Um, how did you get started with languages? I mean, was that always something that, you know, you always wanted to pursue? Um, yeah. So, I... Um, didn't really start learning another language until middle school. And as you know, here, I'm not sure why they do that when there's so much science out there that says, if you really want a child to become proficient, they have to start well before middle school, because that's about when it starts becoming more difficult to learn it. Um, But I didn't learn until um, I didn't have the opportunity, should I say, to learn until I was um, maybe about tw- 11 or 12, somewhere around there. And it started with Spanish. Um, I originally was going to take French, but in my middle school, we had options of French, German, and Spanish. And only like five people signed up for the French class. So they told us we had to choose either Spanish or German. And so I went with Spanish. And that's how that began. Um. I'm just curious, um, were you, um, did you learn it by ear? Were you a large print reader? Did you use Braille? Was there a combination? Um, it was a combination. So I do read, I do read Braille. Honestly, I can't, I can't read, um, Spanish and Braille because I'm not well versed in the accent marks and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I learned to read it in print and in a classroom setting, you know, so it was real basic, like chair, table, stuff like that, you know, not stuff that you could really like converse with people. Right. Just, just the real basics. I, when I took Spanish, um, I was in college, and mm-hmm. this was about 20 years ago, and mm-hmm. I had a Como Sedice book with the CDs, mm-hmm. and I just had tutors. 
and I learned everything by ear. Um, so basically, my method was I had to learn the alphabet. I didn't know the accent marks. I didn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much grasped the, the language pretty well um, in regards to the grammar side of things. Like, I could correct people, you know, it's grammar, the, their endings, and, you know, if they were saying the wrong word and the wrong pronunciation. And I was very good at that. I just needed to increase my vocabulary. But at the same time, that was the only language at Tricy East Campus here in Cleveland um, that they had Spanish at the time. Mm-hmm. And they had like French and Italian, but it was like one semester. And so I took it because I needed it for a degree requirement. Right. Not so much because I love the language. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the music and culture. And the oh, food. yes. <laughs> That's the fun part. It's but when it comes film. down to, you know, you know, do I want to speak it? Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I kind of feel like it's, there's so many languages in this country. You know, I kind of feel like it's being forced. I, I can see your point. Um, I actually lived with a woman for a while when I was a child, and she was Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. and he spoke uh, Spanish to me. And so I didn't remember a lot of it, but I'd remember random things. So that also kind of played into why I wanted to learn it um, because of that connection. But, right. yeah, there are. Actually, I think I read somewhere. Um, it was a couple of years ago, so it may not be true anymore because I know the Latinx population has, um, like soared recently, but, um, I read somewhere that said actually Mandarin was the second most spoken language in the U S so there, and, but you, you wouldn't know that because it it is usually just French, Spanish, um, and German Mm -hmm. in public schools and, now I think there are a few people who are doing like Mandarin or Japanese, but that's not commonplace. I don't, I wouldn't think. Well, I know here in Ohio, we have like eight, over 825 um, translators and interpreters, mm-hmm. but we have so many different languages. It's unreal. That's true. Um, um, I know here in Akron, we have a large Asian community, a large Arab community, a large uh, Indian population, uh, Hispanic, French, some Dutch, some people speak um, Pennsylvania Dutch, some Italian, um, a large Russian, um, Ukrainian population. Um, so basically, then, the world, right? And now, <laughs> and now, and now you got Urdu, you know. So you got the Middle East, mm-hmm. and you got Western Africa. And you got Asia, and then you got Latin America. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 nice. Um, there's a big Lebanese um, population here. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning Levantine Arabic at the moment, and a lot of it's because I want to be able to communicate with people right. at, a, at a basic level. And right. I I tell my students and I tell people in the group um, on Facebook. You know, you don't need to be proficient, highly proficient in the language in order to communicate. Even if you just want to do A2, which would be like a second, like it'd be like the second semester of a college, you know, course, you could do that. Uh You know, you can be conversational. You don't necessarily have to be like, I want to work inside of the language. Like, I want to teach physics in Russian. 
at a rookie school. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and I think for us, you know, people always wonder how we learn, you know, all these languages. And I say, well, 90% of it is, is by ear. I would agree with that. Um, because honestly, I think if you are, if it's, it's weird as a blind person, I am very visual is, it's a weird thing to say, but I am like, so I'm used to reading things, but it, it has to be like, um, what is the word I want? Basically, I have to get it auditorily, and I'm not sure that's a word, but <laughs> so yeah. I also have to uh, see it. So in order for it to truly make sense, so I can see it all day long, but hearing it also sort of just like it fills in that 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 missing puzzle piece and makes it helps it to make sense to me. So, so I'm just curious. Um, I have retinopathy or prematurity. Mm-hmm. So I only can see out of my left eye. Mm -hmm. And my visual acuity is three feet in front of me counting fingers Mm -hmm. as far as distance. But when it comes down to my peripheral vision, it's still good. Like I can still see tables and people, the sky, buildings, McDonald's. (laughs) But but when you but when you go inside McDonald's and you want to read the menu, you can forget that. (laughs) You know, I can't I can't do that. Yeah. I mean I actually have to put it in those terms because a lot of people don't get it. They don't. don't. They either think that you're totally blind. It's like all or nothing. Right. And it's not, it's not even like it. Like I was just having a conversation with my next door neighbor down the hallway Mm. about the same thing. Mm. And and they were like, well, I knew somebody, I do know this. I mean, you're not telling me something that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, no, you know, of one person, right? You don't know an entire population. Everyone's visual acuity it's not going to be going to be the same exactly so you know there's so many different blindness um visual disorders that you half of these you don't even know what they're they are that's true you've never heard of them that's so true and also too like two people with the same visual impairment can have vastly differing of visual acuities and that makes it even more complicated because you're like oh well I know somebody with this you know same condition and they can see a lot better or a lot worse than you you know and so it's like it's not it's not ever across the board and I actually did a a, um, presentation I want to say about two years ago or so and it was basically like 90% of the world's blind population actually can see something even if it's just shades or, you know, shapes, colors or whatever. And only about 10% are actually totally blind. So that, that does, it's very confusing to sighted people. They're like, I thought you said you were blind. So how'd you not, you know, run into that pole? Like, cause I can see it like, well, wait, you know, it's like, they don't get it. So (laughs) like, if you, you actually have to explain to them, I I use the Halley's Comet. Well, not Halley's Comet, but I use the, Milky Way and the Constellation Leo example. I can look up at the sky and it's midnight blue and I can see the moon. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me to find the Milky Way or the Constellation Leo, you can forget it because it's too small. Mm-hmm. They get it. <laughs> I'm, still, I could, I'm still working on a way to explain it 
um, my visual impairment because I, I I keep trying to find new ways, and I you kind you kind of have to use like descriptive words yeah. like. I could see the McDonald's sign because that's big. Okay, so the McDonald's M is yellow. And then, the you know, you have the big arches. That's yellow. But then you have the red sign with the white lettering that says McDonald's on it. See, you're telling me stuff that I didn't know. So <laughs> Right. See, so, my, see, okay, so my visual impairment, I have optic atrophy. Uh-huh. And I only have vision um, in my left eye, and my visual acuity is twenty twelve hundred. And in my right eye, I just can I just have light perception. But even with that twenty twelve hundred, and yes, that is super blind. But I still can. See- That's better than me. <laughs> I, I still I can't read the McDonald's arches though. I can't see. Yeah. Now that's interesting. You say that yeah. because mine is twenty over twenty over three feet in front of mine yeah. so it it's like distance <laughs> like readable the re- I, I say to put like this my readable vision sucks <laughs> so as far as seeing distance it sucks mm-hmm. now i can see a building but i couldn't tell you the address right and that's the same way i can see a building but it depends it depends on a lot of things it depends on what the building is what color is the building if the landscape around it does it have a lot of trees is it snowing is is the sun out there's so much oh my god yes. <laughs> it, it was so funny is if you are someone that's sensitive to light mm-hmm. and so if you only have one eye and it's working for both of them <laughs> and you walk outside in the snow and the sky is bright so painful and, <laughs> and the sun ain't even out but you see the light because it's shining down on the ground because the snow is white as white and it's bouncing <laughs> off and you're just like, oh my Man, god. Talk about a headache. I I just... Yes. My- or you're sitting in there, you're sitting in your living room and you're watching TV with audio description on in some other language and your eyes start watering for no reason. Yeah. People don't realize that. No. They don't. I could see a Cheerio box. I could read the word Cheerio, but when I turn it around to read the ingredients, I can't do that. Yep. So this is how I have to put it. I know what a sausage looks like. I know what my dog looks like. I can. That's something big. Mm-hmm. If it's something small, I can forget it. I can go in a car and I know what a steering wheel looks like and I know what the clutch looks like in order to pull it back to, you know, put it in, in drive. Mm-hmm. But I would have to count how many times you have to put it in dry right you know um but i know that the the barometer and all that's there but i couldn't tell you what it said yeah like can't see detail that's how i explain right. to people i'm like i can't see detail i use my i've been using the flashlight versus the pin light lately and uh, right. people tend to i think that makes a little more sense i'm like so if you're fully sighted think of your vision as a flashlight and right. my vision's more like a pen light. It's clear to me, but only up to a certain point, you know. Right. And my it, exactly. it's not as powerful as yours. And that, right. that seems to be working well enough. So I'm sticking with that for now. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's funny because a lot of the people ask me, I'm saying, how do you learn these languages so quickly? Well, number one, I'm not, I do the same thing you do. Mm-hmm. Um. The only difference is now I'm not reading a print book anymore. Uh-huh. I'm doing a lot more listening. Yeah. And 
I can sit for three and a half hours Mm -hmm. and I can do some Michelle Thomas and then I can spill it out in a video. Some people's attention spans isn't that long. Hello, mine isn't. (laughs) You know, so, so they can't do that. And they, you know, all these sighted people seem to think, and I want to put a disclaimer here before I finish the sentence. I am not trying to offend anybody who has full sight, but this is how blind people talk to each other when we are having a conversation about people who can see 2020. Absolutely. We are, this is not, this is not meant to be offensive in any way. Exactly. Okay. So, um, as I was saying, for them, it's kind of like, oh, that's so amazing that you can cook all this food and you can do this. Well, you can learn, you can adapt, and that's a lot of what we do is adapt mm-hmm. to our environments. Just like um, the, two days ago, there was a dumpster that was at 12 o'clock, and I have to work from a clock perspective when you have big objects around and it's dark outside. Yeah. So at 9 o'clock, it's this, it's the park, okay, there's the parking lot. Then there was this big dumpster at 12 o'clock. There was nothing at 3 o'clock. And there was the other dumpster at 9 o'clock. Well, I'm walking with my guide dog. And we tr- we cut across the parking lot. What happens? My dog is trying to guide me around the dumpster that's at 12 o'clock. Well, it's dark. So I cannot see this thing. Mm-hmm. What happens? I run straight into it. Uh, my entire mouth. Oh, no. And I, my teeth and everything are fine. Oh, that's I'm good. Fine. But they had to move the dumpster so I wouldn't run into it again. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a liability issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, people in this building don't seem to, some of them don't seem to understand. Well, you have a guide dog. Why why can't you move around it? Well, you see how much space was in between both of those dumpsters? Not very much. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't my dog's fault. Right. But it was just the point, like... A lot of older people just don't get it. No. And I get it. And then they think you're faking it. Oh. Oh no. That that's yeah. even worse. Um I get when it's not your lived experience, it's hard to relate, but there's this thing called empathy and just basically the world needs more of it. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I mean they want you but this is I'm gonna put another disclaimer here. Because we're going to be talking about people with all kinds of disabilities. And I don't want people to think that, you know, I am pouncing on people with other... Because I've worked with all kinds of people before. And I personally feel that a lot of people now are being discriminated against that are not only blind or visually impaired, but people who have Asperger's too and people who have autism. And yet, you in within the disability community, community itself, they're very. Um, they like to discriminate against each other, which I've noticed. So, for all intents and purposes, you know, I don't want anyone to feel like, you know, this conversation is is pouncing on somebody disability we're just giving our own opinions about what we've experienced right with with um you know other people with other disabilities and and a lot of it is like i have a friend she has autism 
and she's going through a whole slew of issues with custody of you know her child and you know dealing with uh, you know family issues and and them accepting her for who she is and yeah it it's just it's a lot to have to deal with if you're disabled but if you're in the community whether you're blind or not it's very hard because people like to be mean spirited they like to judge and if you're if you're in the blindness community that goes on a lot yeah especially if you're visually impaired and you're not total so if you're not total then the idea is that you need to use it until you lose it they still have this notion that we need to use our residual vision until it's gone mm-hmm. um you know which is asinine by the way it makes right. no sense whatsoever but you know oh i feel sorry for this totally blind person they can't they can do things i know someone that's on the supreme court of the state supreme court of um michigan and he's totally blind you know, I was honestly just thinking about this very thing today, and I had listened to a TED Talk given by a woman, oh, about 10 years ago, and she had grown up not knowing she was blind because her parents never told her, and I thought, how sad that, you know, that was their choice to not let her know that she was blind because a lot of people, again, hearkening back to that um, presentation that I told you about earlier, I did it um, in my research. I found out that bar none, the disability that is feared most, even still today, is blindness. And I get it because we are, as humans, we are sight-based predators and that's what most people, you know, that's the sense they rely on the most. But like for for her, I just thought, and not just her, but a lot of people, and like you said, the whole use it till you lose it. There are ways to live very fulfilled lives with, uh, you know, in spite of your blindness. And also, you know, there are blindness techniques and things like that that do not have to stop you from living an independent, full life. But there's so many people society at large especially even even yes in the u.s still looks down upon people with disabilities and blind people specifically as not being capable and so that gets passed down and we as blind people and people with other disabilities have to shoulder that burden you know it's sad now because the whole guide dog versus um service animal mm-hmm. issue is really big um you know now if you want to take your guide dog on an airplane you have to fill out these papers with your vet you have to fill out two sets of papers yourself you have to be here at the airport to deal with the paperwork and your dog before you even get on the plane like an hour before the dog has to answer a 100 question survey by him or herself I'm joking. It's insane anymore. Right. But see, a lot of it was because you had people taking it. Right. And unfortunately, I'm dealing with something similar here in the place that I'm living at because you have all these older people 
And some people don't like dogs, but this is a dog-friendly environment. They can't discriminate, but they do. It's not the management. It's not AMHA. It's the people that live here. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, it's not all of them. It's a handful. Right. And so, I'm always being accused of not picking up after my guide dog when I do. You know, it's it's a daily thing since I've been here, and it'd be three years, and I'm slowly climbing up the list to get my medical transfer to another place mm-hmm. because, you know, because of being close to doctors, buses, and, and things that I need to be closer to mm-hmm. in a better, better environment. However, you know, people don't realize when you are someone that's, you know, visually impaired or legally blind, especially if you're considered high partial, you're legally blind and you can actually drive. Okay. I have encountered similar, and I hate to say this, similar um, discrimination from high partials. They weren't considered fully, you know, like 2020, but they were close enough. Right. But they were still under the spectrum of legally blind, but they could still drive. And I don't know if their their driver's license were like, uh, you know, if you were um, in the daytime only, uh-huh. type of thing. I, I'm not really for sure, but I could tell how people, if they are in that realm of of sight, um, you know, they don't treat others that have less physical vision than they do the same way. They 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 do the same thing that sighted people. Do. I agree. Um, I have noticed that there is a stratification, a hierarchy, if you will, um, when it comes to the level of sight people have. And you do, sometimes you do get the most flack from the blindness community as from one blind person to another, you know, people are always very critical. And I don't know if it's because they feel... I, I can't even I, I could I could guess and just throw things at the wall all day, but I can say that yes, I've seen it and I know what you mean. And it's it is very disheartening because no matter if you're high partial almost twenty twenty but not or just just under the legal threshold of um of legal blindness or if you are a total or anywhere in between, we are all having parallel, you know, experiences and we should all be very be kinder to each other but that's you were talking about people at the end of the day we're talking about people and people can be cruel yeah and i and i noticed that in the blindness community it's almost like the hierarchy of you have a bachelor's degree but you don't have a master's a law degree yeah. or a PhD. and because you don't have those things then you're not as significant as the person that has those things which in fact if you notice, if you have those things, there are people that have them and they're working at Walmart. Yeah. So it really doesn't make a difference. You know, it's just a piece of paper. What the people want to see is the work experience mm-hmm. behind it. Not where you went to school. They can care less. They don't care about SAT scores. They don't care about all that. They don't even care about grades anymore. They care about if you have any experience. Uh, in the real world a lot of times it's it's both um you know like 
things that you're like, why do I need a bad, like, I was honestly, I'm thinking about going back to school myself, and I don't want to. I love learning. I just don't like the game that is played here in this country to where you have to basically spend the rest of your life paying off student loans. They know you're never going to pay all that off. They know it. But um, all that said, there's there's always there's so like there's so many jobs unless you're going to be like something that is very intricate like oh, I don't know a brain surgeon or a, or a heart surgeon or a pilot or something those are things I think you should you know practice beforehand and on you know inanimate you know things like that like if you're going to be doing brain surgery you should probably practice on you know some 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 medical dummies and stuff before you start cutting into real people but as far as that goes, almost anything else, like any desk job or whatever, you can learn on the job. You will learn on the job. There's nothing that's really going to, that's so, you know, dire that you need to learn in the classroom before you get your degree that you won't, that you won't learn on your job, you know? And I just, I just think, I think it's crazy the the setup. Well, you know, it's funny because I have a bachelor's degree in theater studies. I have a, a film degree in directing, screenwriting, and producing. And I have a certification to teach English to business people and young learners. Mm-hmm. I was president of the NFB Summit County for 18 months. I was vice president of the Cleveland chapter for two years. I, you know, I've raised over $1,200 for the affiliate four years. You know, I've done so much stuff in my life Mm -hmm. that trying to find a job is even hard. Like, they don't want to hire you. And I would honestly say that in spite of all your accomplishments, it is the fear of your disability that is probably um, the barrier to people hiring you. It's nothing that you've done. You're clearly a very viable candidate for pretty much any job you'd want to go into but because of the um, reasonable accommodations and just people's fear their built-in societal fear of people with disabilities they may not call it that but that's what it is um they you're an you're an unknown and because of that they don't want to take the risk and that is discrimination no lie call it what it is but you can't really prove that it is until, you know, unless they came right out and said, hey, sorry, we're not hiring blind people. Then you have you have a, a lawsuit. Well, they're... I know. I know. Interna- <laughs> I, but this is funny because this works internationally as well. Yeah. I and I, I've applied in certain parts of Asia. I've hired in Australia. It's ridiculous the places I've applied to. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you domestically cannot get anything it doesn't matter what it is and you know but there is a caveat to this because i think it's blind people they have a problem with because if it was any other disability they will be hired because they're not having to fork out a ton of money for accommodations even if you do have the equipment yourself i you get no argument from this corner yeah so, I mean, and it, it doesn't help either that voc rehab doesn't help the situation either. Oh, listen. <laughs> yeah. They, they will waste joking. your time like it's nobody's business 
And you could be the most educated person in the room and on their roster, and they will still try to screw you over. They will. But if you, if I'm going to, no pun intended, another disclaimer. Um, if you're totally blind and you're white and you live in certain parts of Ohio, you're going to get everything. You're going to get everything and the kitchen sink, okay? Right. And you ain't <laughs> done nothing yet. If you're a minority, Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I actually uh I I learned early um how to advocate for myself because my mom she didn't she would be there but she didn't really know what to ask for. So she would just be like, I'll back your play, whatever you feel like you need. So I've been advocating for myself with voc rehab since I was like ten. And I remember when I decided to go off to college they told me that, you know, because they, they say, oh, yeah, we'll help pay for college and stuff like that. Um, or bachelors, I think. I think you can. I don't know. The, the rules have probably changed. This has been no, about they'll still do they'll still do a bachelor's. Mm-hmm. Unless you tell them, I want to go get a master's in Vogue Rehab. That's the only way you get it. Yeah. I, 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 I believe it. So I remember them and they were essentially trying to talk me out of going to the school that I had gotten um, accepted to. And I was like, really? And then they were saying, on the one hand, they were like, oh, um, we've had people do this and, you know, they didn't do well. So we think you should go to this school instead. And they really wouldn't pay for it. <laughs> I had, That's how I ended up getting, I had a scholarship and I also... Um, ended up having to get student loans because they were like, no, we are not gonna, we're not gonna support that. What was your major, if I may ask? Oh my gosh. So 17 year old me wanted to be everything, but I was going in for social work. Um, and I ended up switching that over to too many things, but I ended up deciding to just roll with communications because I'm like, I can parlay that into a lot of different things. I can go anywhere. So I, um, but I never, I I got my associates and then I was able to actually luckily get picked up at a contracting job with the government. And I worked there for three years and then we got insourced because they were cutting all the contractors out and the government had this, um, they had this initiative that they wanted at least 1% of their workforce to have, be people with disabilities and veterans. So they were like, Hey, we've got this whole contract full of blind people. Let's just insource them. That'll help add to our numbers. So um, I got a job offer with the federal government and I've been with them for almost four years. So altogether seven years working for the government. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah, I I actually have to say that I think it's great when, you know, you can have people in the blindness community working for the government. You know, it, it does help them understand, you know, that we are valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, we have something to offer. Right. Just like in the language learning community. You know, we have a lot to offer as well. And I'm not going to lie, there's so many people that have disabilities in the language learning community, and a lot of them are are not visible. Yeah. And I would imagine, too, 
that especially if English isn't their first language or they're immigrants, um, they're bringing over customs and cultures that don't, I mean, honestly, I'm just going to say it. Uh, I don't know too, I don't know any country really, maybe the Netherlands, but because they're, they tend to be a little bit more liberal with everything, but I don't know any country that really values people with disabilities. So when you are a person whose first language is not English and then you come over to a country like the U.S., uh, having somebody whose first language is English and who's living a, dis- a, a an experience as a person with a disability uh, can really probably make a huge difference, especially if they can communicate with you and you can then maybe get access to information and resources that you didn't even know existed because it's not like people are just they're they're out there but you have to know where to look and if you don't know where to look you're not going to find them yeah because i did some volunteer work for a year here in akron at project learn Mm -hmm. um for summit county here everybody um and i worked with people from asia and people from latin america and eastern europe and africa in the middle east and you know i was learning a little bit of this and a little bit of that and they were so impressed because you know where they live people with disabilities especially if you're blind they're shunned especially in china oh yeah you know so it's for them you know they were very impressed by how i learn and how i do things and my guide dog and you know and i said well you know if you are legally blind um you can have a guide dog and if you're completely blind, you can have a guide dog. Um, you know, it depends on the amount of uh, residual vision that you have, you know. And, I mean, there is a process, and I explained all that. And, you know, I took the black pen on, you know, the, the whiteboard and wrote out everything and because I could still do that. And, you know, they were like, wow, you know, because they, they never, you know, you're not exposed to these types of people, so you don't know that they exist because, you know. I mean, if you do see someone, you might have not seen them on a good day. Right. You know, and then if that's the only exposure you had, it's like you're thinking that everybody's going to get mad, use their cane, kick over a, a dumpster, you know, a, a garbage can or something, you know, rocking or or rolling their head. And, and I mean, it's not their fault because if they don't have any vision, they don't have any stimulation. Mm-hmm. So that's the only way they can get stimulation right. is that way. Right. So, I mean that can't be helped but people don't really get it because they're not exposed to us so and they don't realize that there's a lot of us that aren't that don't exhibit the same behaviors and you know we have differences of opinion and religion and politics and food and everything you know and that we do travel and we do go to school and have children and work and pay taxes and (laughs) you know so I mean, it was it was an amazing experience. I mean, it opened my eyes up to a lot of the stuff that's going on over in the Middle East in particular mm-hmm. and over in Asia. And I mean, they learned so much from me, but I learned so much from them. And it kept my, my languages alive, too, because I was helping them with their English and they were helping me with my little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I was like, oh, well, thanks. That's awesome. And, I mean, and, and I, I guess I tell people all the time, that when you are um, going to uh, learn a language, you know, 
look around you in your own community and find people that are speaking the language that you you want to speak you know and work up to something simple like i don't i don't know wanting to order food at a restaurant you know because this way you're practicing it in real life mm-hmm. as opposed to i'm just looking at a textbook or a grammar book I and mean, that's not going to help you learn anything it's just going to you know give you the excuse not to really you know pursue it or you're comparing yourself to every YouTuber, Twitter person, Instagrammer, Facebooker, you know. Yeah. Um, you don't have to buy every program out there. You can go to your library. You can go online. There's so many free resources. Um, that's why I give you guys a lot of resources for free because you don't have to spend all that money. Yeah, I know. No. I know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. But at the same time, you know, when it comes down to it, I look at the, the people that's in my community, and that's what I focus my languages on, are the people that are here, that I can get in contact with on a daily basis. That's beautiful. And I honestly, practical application and speaking with real people uh, is the way you're going to actually get a real feel, because they like a book, like you said, a book or um, anything like that, it's not going to really teach you the ebb and flow of the language. It'll teach you the basics, but like how things are said colloquially and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, I was speaking to, um, so I, I, I practice Brazilian jiu-jitsu and one of my teammates, he is from Mexico mm-hmm. and I keep messing with him. He told me we have to trade. I was like, you have to teach me Spanish. And he's like, well, you have to, he's like, you either have to pay me or we have to trade. And I told him I'd teach him belly dance, but he said, no, he's not into that. So we're, we're still working on a barter system. But like he had said, um, I said something to him the other day and he had said, whatever. But I didn't, the way he said whatever in Spanish was a way I'd never heard before. So I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, it means whatever. And I was like, oh, that's not, you know, how I learned it. And so that just that little interaction proved to me like, okay, the way I thought, the, you know, how I thought whatever was said um, is the way I learned it in a book or off Google Translate. And we all know how detrimental Google Translate can be. You know what I do? I don't even do, I don't even do Google Translate anymore. You know what I do? What do you do? I'll type, I'll go to YouTube. That's my friend. And I will go and I would type in how to say this in this language. That's excellent. That's actually a whole lot better because Google Translate will get you in trouble. <laughs> well, you know, I used to use it all the time and I used to get hackled by so many people in the yeah. olive block community. It wasn't funny. But I used to get heckled because I had an iPhone 6S and it sucked really badly with dictation. And now that I have an iPhone 11 Pro, the dictation is so much better. Mm. And I don't have as many grammatical errors either. And now people are like, well, we can actually understand you now. And someone <laughs> said, well, she had to get a phone that was going to work for her. Oh. And, and you had to be able to afford it. That's the thing people don't realize. You can't afford a $1,350 phone out of pocket. It ain't happening. You got to pay oh, payments on it. So, exactly. <laughs> you know, people don't realize that. They, they sit and think that you know, you're supposed to just um, 
be able to afford it out of out of thin air. And I, you know, I do bring um, issue to people where they think that someone can spend three hundred dollars on a course. No, you know how many people I talk to from around the world that don't got that kind of money, right? You know, or can you go to this? Can you come to that? No, you know how long that takes. <laughs> like I can't go on a cruise, even though it is eight hundred dollars. Okay, I still got to buy my passport. That's about a hundred and something. I still got to buy uh, my plane ticket. That's several hundred dollars. I still got to have money for souvenirs. If the food's included, that's not a bad thing. I can deal with that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If you want to do extra stuff, that's almost $2,000. It can easily get there very fast. And people don't realize that. Like, if you're on a fixed income, and a lot of people are, it doesn't matter what country you're from. Uh-huh. You know, you have a population of the community that is low income and they can't help that. But people look down on you because you can't afford to do the same thing that they do. And see that I I just think it shouldn't it shouldn't uh, in a world where things were equal in which we do not live. But in a world where things would would be equal it really shouldn't matter like everyone is doing the like everyone's doing the best they can with what they have and like for me a lot of people ask all the time like oh um you know they well where are you guys going now you know you know you guys you must be rich you can and it's like no we're not rich yeah we we do get to travel and we're blessed to have you know we are in positions that allow us to do so we don't my sister and I she's my main travel buddy and, um, you know, we don't have children, we don't have spouses, we don't have any like real um, responsibilities, like no mortgages or anything like that. I mean, I have rent, but um, right. outside of that, you know, the money, it, it's not something that, you know, is, oh, I've just got an extra $2,000 laying around where, where are we going? Like, it's not like that. It's a, <laughs> right. it's a thing that you have to plan out. Like, um, I'm planning... Um, I'm hoping uh, I'm planning to go to Australia to visit next May. So uh, to, to um, actually, actually before that, we're going to Peru in September. We started, I started saving for this Peru trip right after my Egypt trip, which was at the end of October. So when I got back, I started saving up money, $50 here, $75 here, that where I could, you know, Right. to start getting ready for Peru. And Peru at that point was, a, you know, a year away. It's not something that just, that's just in, in, you know, at the drop of a hat, like, oh, okay, I feel like I'm going to Thailand. Like, no, it takes a while. And it's, right. you know, and people actually kind of get really, what's the word? Uh, they like to poke fun, I guess. And they'll be like, oh, where are you going now, you know? You miss bucks of plenty. I'm like, well, I wish, and you know, maybe one day, <laughs> you know. But right. At this time, it, it's piece by piece. It's making little sacrifices here and there, you know, right. so I can reach my ultimate goal, which is to travel to these countries. And it's not to lord it over anyone or anything like that. It's just because I want to experience different cultures and different places. And I don't think it's ever okay to say, you know, oh all you have to do because there's not all you have to do 
because like I said, everybody's working with different circumstances. Exactly. Now, I, I was going to ask you, as far as your trip to Egypt, I mean, evidently you just talked about how you have to save money in order to be able to go on these trips. What was that like? Uh, the trip itself? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, Egypt was interesting. I went with my mom, my dad, and my youngest sister. And we actually, we live in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And so we actually drove up to Cleveland and flew um, out of that airport to Detroit, Detroit to Paris, Paris to Cairo. And while we were there, we ended up w- working with a tour company called Memphis Tours because we'd heard a lot of great things about them. And I'm just going to say this, all right? Um, again, disclaimer, not meaning to offend anyone, but I am, as is the rest of my family, we are black. And when you travel outside of the U.S., you tend to get looks because people are not used to seeing black people travel. If, if they do, and especially to countries like, you know, we were in Thailand earlier last year and we got a lot of, a lot of looks you know, because they don't really expect to see just regular schmegular people, you know, in, in places like that. So it was, it was actually fairly similar. And so we went with Memphis tours because there was a lot of, um, my sister is in a black travel group on Facebook. And a lot of those people were like, Oh yeah, they, they treated us very well. We didn't have any issues. There was no, you know, no ignorant comments were said and things like that. So that's a really big thing that we pay attention to as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went with them. It was really smooth. We flew in. There was a guy there who picked us up in a in a van and um, drove us to our hotel. And uh, we had a choice. Um, I know we saw we saw something, and I was thinking about this earlier. I'm like, oh goodness, I'm gonna have to recap this whole. Uh, this whole vacation for Chanel and I'm freaking out because I'm like I don't recall every last detail (laughs) but I do know that the first night we ended up um, going to see I think the uh, Cairo Museum and then that night we had the the choice of um, watching they do this thing where they light up the pyramids of Giza Mm -hmm. and uh, they put on like this really cool light show but everyone was like, eh, it's not that great. It was either that or we had a, a, um opportunity to get on some ATVs and ride out in the desert to watch the sunset and then go to a Bedouin camp. Um, we chose that one. Uh, so, but by the time we got back from the museum, it was dark and the sun was setting like routinely, routinely about 530. So... Yeah, um, when we got back to um, to Cairo after after the museum and stuff, or back to our hotel, our tour guide was like, "So, do you still want to do the? Because it was like it was dark, dark." <laughs> and he's like, "Do you still want to do the ATVs?" And we're like, "Yeah." <laughs> so it was so much fun. Um, he was like, "You're gonna have sand everywhere." We're like, "That's cool." So we all um, I did not drive. 
my dad was like, you could, it's the desert. But I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure what this terrain is like. So I actually rode on the back of my sister's ATV and we drove out to the desert and there was like a, um, it was like a, actually they must've had like Wi-Fi or something. Cause I don't know how, but they had a whole like, like system set up and they were playing music and it mm-hmm. was Arabic music. And I am a trained belly dancer. So I was in my element. I just started dancing. They gave us like Bedouin tea and it was phenomenal. We took a lot of pictures. There were, um, there was a stray cat that came to visit. So we all like kept taking pictures with the cat. It was great. <laughs> so, and then um, we rode back and yeah, so that was, that was the first night. It was pretty cool. Um, while we were there, we ended up taking a cruise down the Nile, which was really awesome. And like I said, this was, uh, we went from like October 26th through November 2nd and you know, here in Ohio, it wasn't, we didn't have, we haven't had like a horrible winter this past winter so far, knock on wood and all that. But, um, it was like 80, 90 degrees and I'm a person who loves the heat. So I'm like, this is beautiful. <laughs> so Now, now my question to use this. Okay. Okay. Because of the cultural differences over there and how people dress, uh-huh. did you guys prepare yourselves for that just because of so yeah so for me whenever we're going to a country especially one that has a um or a cultural like a, re- a large cultural or even a religious difference like in this case uh 85% of the egyptian populace is sunni muslim mm-hmm. so because of that i knew that even though it was going to be really hot um and i'm not muslim myself but I'm like, I will still, you know, try to be respectful of their culture. So that meant, you know, I wasn't walking around in tank tops and short shorts, you know. Um, So I wore a lot of maxi dresses and my maxi dresses didn't really have sleeve like uh, sleeves. So I would wear scarves, like really lightweight scarves and just wrap them around my shoulders like um, like a shawl. And So that was my concession. But, but like, as a tourist, they're not really expecting you to, like, come in full, you know, with the head covering or anything like that. They're not expecting that. But yeah, you, you do have to respect. It's not your country. So just you're there as a guest and, you know, try to be mindful that it's not about you. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, there have been some Americans that have gone over there and they were completely supposedly disrespectful. Uh-huh. So much the people were so offended that like there was reports that like a bus station had gotten bombed after they left. Oh wow. I was like, "Are you serious?" Like See, and and the thing is, I'm going to say it. Uh <laughs> Western media has an agenda I think all media has an agenda but the west really we have an agenda and it we we tend to show a lot of the negatives of countries that we and Americans I never realized how insular our media actually is if it's not pertaining to America we don't really care we don't tend to know unless you actively look what's going on in the rest of the world so while we were there, yeah, we had with with our with our tour group, there was a guy uh, at one part. He had a full on weapon, like a 
um, I don't know if it's a rifle. Um, I'm not sure what type of gun it was. I'm going to say it was probably a rifle, but he had a full on gun, you know, and he was there for just in case he didn't, he never had to use it, but that was just, you know, that, that, that just went to show what possibly could happen. It was probably more of a deterrent than anything, you know? Right. So, but like, I at no point felt unsafe or felt like we were going to get blown up or anything like that. The way Western media will have you thinking like, oh, there's right. just bomb bombings everywhere all the time. And just there, I read something the other day that said they behead Christians in the street, just random. I'm like, no, they do not. We were Christian. We are Christian. We went there and nobody did anything to us. Like, I'm not saying that nothing ever happens to other people. Right. But, you know, for us, it's not it's not the way that it is portrayed. Now, I was just curious to know, like, were you able to speak any Arabic? Okay. There was a lot of um, la. <laughs> when, especially when walking through the markets. There's a lot of la shukran and la habibi. Because they were like, you know, they'll try to sell you things. And because we were black, they're like, oh, cousin, cousin, Nubian queen, you know. And it's like, yeah, I know you just want my money. <laughs> so, And they were like, a lot of our tour guides were like, you can buy stuff if you want from these people. But know that most of it's made in China. If you want real Egyptian stuff, you're not going to find them at these bazaars. These are things that, you know, like I said, are made in China. And so they were like, if you don't want something... There's, you can say la or la habibi, which is, um, or la shukran. Like, la habibi right. is like, no, my friend, or no, thank you. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew, I knew that when you said it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. So, there was a lot of that. Um, one of the things that did uh, really ruffle my American feminist feathers was their they didn't want to engage with us as women, it seemed like. So I'm a pescatarian. And the first day on our cruise, um, and like I said, my dad was with us. So the captain comes and he's talking to my dad, talking about, you know, what I'm going to eat. And my dad's like, well, just tell her. And the guy blatantly refused to do so. And he just... I wonder what set he was from. Um, I have no idea. Because um, I was told that depending on the set that you're from, uh-huh. they will not speak to you. Yeah. But not everyone's that way. Not everyone, because our tour guides, most of... We had... First off, we had at least two women tour guides. I think we had two. Yeah. We had at least two women tour guides, which dispels the myth that, you know, women are not allowed to work in Muslim countries. And they did not have head head wraps or anything like head coverings. So there you go. That that right there just go ahead, goes to disprove that theory. And then two, um, our, some of our tour guides were, um, the rest of them were men, and they had no problem speaking to us. They spoke to us individually and were very respectful and things like that. So I you may have you may be right and to me i don't think it's like you know that's that's nothing i'd ever ask somebody like what sector are you is that what you're not speaking to me <laughs> like I wouldn't, right I wouldn't well, well you know because i mean they could have been sunni they could have been shiite they could have right been, you just don't know you don't so um there was that 
that was that was probably the biggest thing and then also like um for tent money good golly now that's something that we didn't know we my sister and I had our first travel experience to Italy and we were so woefully unprepared we did not realize how much every you just tipped everybody so um but by Egypt we had it down and uh everybody wanted a tip and they sometimes wouldn't even take the tip from my sister so she'd have to give it to my give it to our dad and then he'd give it to them like it was it, it could be that intense sometimes or like when we were checking in at the um at the airport sometimes they were very dismissive like they would leave my sister she's the one who's the planner so she's she knows all the things about everything so she had the passports all the information and stuff and sometimes they would not acknowledge her so I told her I'm like just take take our dad up there and she would stand right next to him and give him the things that he'd give them to the people and it seemed to go a lot more smoothly and it was just we as American women, we're like, what the heck is this boy? Right, right. But that 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 stuff still exists, and unfortunately, yeah. that's something that I think, as Americans and just in Western society, we have to understand that not everybody's culture is going to be the same, and not every guy is going to be the same. Yeah, yeah. It was it was rough. I'm not gonna lie. Now you better be happy you weren't in Afghanistan. Yeah, I I. I, they got no rights. <laughs> no, especially if you're blind. If you're blind in Iran and Afghanistan, uh huh. Because um, I was supposed to help someone learn English a couple years ago, and I actually tried to learn Dari in order to be able to help him. He only had two months worth of English classes. He just got married, just moved to the U.S., and just had a baby. And he knew hardly any English. Didn't know how to introduce himself. My name is, I want, blah, blah, blah. Nice to meet you. Nothing. And they had an interpreter. And I said, I can't do this because he needs to be fluent in speaking the language in order for me to help him. Mm. You know, so I never got, I never was able to, to find out if he was, you know, um, able to successfully learn English or not because the place that I had to go, they tore it down. Oh, no. Yeah, and so yeah, it, it's crazy. Uh, they're trying to, you know, dump out as many people as they can at the moment. That is, is horrible. Which is awful, and I mean, these people, I, you know, I give them props for coming over here and wanting to make a better life for themselves and try to learn English. And, you know, Americans don't make it any better. Oh, well, they need to speak. There's no such thing as perfect English. Even you mess up speaking it. So, you know, don't, don't do that to somebody that's trying to assimilate into our country the best way they know how in order exactly. to keep their family alive. I mean, some of these people are willing to work at soap factories making soap and stuff just so they can they can put food on the table mm-hmm. you know we we think that those types of jobs are beneath us you know because everybody wants to be a billionaire and it just doesn't work like that that's true there is um there is proof out there that english is one of the hardest languages to learn so anybody whether you speak it whether you speak broken english english with a thick accent I commend you because it is not an easy language. And then to top it off, American English is different than 
say English from the UK or Australia or South Africa, they all have English um, that is very similar. And we just decided to go left with ours. So it, it, it's even more complicated. So I always, I commend anyone who can Well, learn you know, it's language. funny because I knew somebody from a long time ago and they were living in Uganda. And they spoke French and and Arabic and English. And they told me, they said, I learned American English. I didn't want to speak the Queen's English. I wanted to speak English from the U.S. Because the U.S. is more um, popular than the U.K. That's interesting. Well, I mean, a lot of people, they learn British English because of the Brits and all that. But technically, yes, the U.S. is more influential. Um, another thing I learned because I'm in a travel group and uh, there are a lot of women who speak multiple. I mean, because the group touches people all over the world. And one of the things that they uh, one question was posed, they were like, what's the best travel language? And they were like, hands down, it's English, because unlike the U.S., we are we're still there are lots of languages in this country, but we are for all intents and purposes a monolingual society and so that makes it complicated when you do travel because you want to you know you want to try out try your hand in spanish or italian or whatever and they know that the basically the national travel language currency is english so a lot of them already know it so you don't as a native english speaker you don't even have to really learn another language it's good to do so but you don't even have to because a lot of people know, and especially in the tourism industry, English, uh, even if you guys don't speak, you know, the same languages, you can, English is the common, like, denominator. Right. You know, and it's funny, though, because by 2021, I believe, they said that, like, 2 billion people would be learning English. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that's wonderful, but in a minute, you know, Spanish is going to take a back seat. This language is going to take, I mean, because technically the top 10 languages for business are English, Mandarin, French, Spanish, German, Russian, Arabic, Japanese, Hindi, and Brazilian Portuguese. Wow. Yeah. So the only one I don't speak is Mandarin. I can understand German. I can speak some Brazilian Portuguese. I do speak French. I do speak some Hindi, a little bit of Japanese, some Arabic. I do speak Russian pretty well. Spanish, of course. So, I mean, to me, it's not, you know, that wouldn't be difficult. But for somebody else, you know, especially if you have a disability and the technology isn't there or it's not, they can't find accessible materials to work with, depending on what country you live in, your your economic status, so forth and so on, you know, um, you know, it can be difficult. I mean, technology has advanced a great deal. I mean, yes, no pun intended to Duolingo, but there's more resources out there other than Duolingo and everybody and their mama wants to use Duolingo but it's not going to really teach you how to speak a language not really I um, I downloaded the translator app 
Mm-hmm. And I decided to go all the way left. I wanted to learn Kosa, but like, like you don't know what it looks like. I've never seen it written down. So like trying to learn it that way, complicated. And as a person with a visual impairment, like listening to those Khoisan languages is mm-hmm. really difficult to try to emulate, especially when you have a Western upbringing and it's not that I mean we're all human so your mouth can make those noises you just have to learn it and not learning it from the ground up as a child it's going to be a lot different trying to do it as an adult and also like you said it's not one of those top 10 languages so it's not going to be one that is touted very often and you're not going to be able to find people um, to help you um, speak it and a day-to-day setting so like there's there's a lot of um there, there can be many barriers I think a lot of the times though people seem to think that because you have braille that you can read everything or that it's a language in itself and I said no it's it's a method for you to be able to read and write and be literate and also to do math and science and all that type of stuff, but not it's not a spoken language. No, that's not and, like sign language. Right. And see, the problem is, is that a lot of people seem to think that, oh, well, you know Braille, so you can do so-and-so. Well, no, I can read in seven different languages, but that's because 90% of it's Latin-based, mm-hmm. even though I've never taken Latin in my life. But it's Latin-based. If you've already learned one language, you'll be able to pick up the rest of them because, you know, you have false friends. You got to be careful with that, though. You, um, you know, you have similar vocabulary, you know, so maybe 60% of the language you already know. You just need to work on the grammar and the this, this, and this in context. Right. You know, find stuff that you like. Like, if you like to cook, find recipes in that language if you like music find music in that language i mean tune in radio is the jewel for finding music in from every country there is so true yeah and it's all free so you know i'm listening to hateful weep now i just bought one of her albums this evening well i had a couple songs but i'm 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 doing that and i'm using link now l-i-n-g-q um and I'm listening to many stories in, in, in Levantine Arabic and, you know, it's all free, you know. So um, I was going to say, since the language, since you're learning a particular language that's like an indigenous language, you might want to go on Facebook and see if there's a group for that language. I... I think that's a good idea. Um, there's actually something I meant to look into yesterday, but totally forgot. Um, the Hadley School has a Spanish meetup um, every Thursday. Now, luckily, I telework on Thursdays, so I could totally do this, but it's at a very inconvenient time for people with jobs. It's like 10 in the morning, and I'm like, okay, this is presupposing Having it at that point at that time is presupposing people are going to be available then, you know, and it's that right there is a tad bit insulting. Like, why wouldn't you have it later in the day? But okay, 
I yeah. wonder if it's because they're on Central Standard Time and not Eastern Standard Time. Well, wouldn't Central just be an hour behind us? So that's still 9 a.m. Um, I think we're an hour ahead of them. Right. Yeah, so so because I yeah. took the conversational Spanish course, both of them in nine weeks, mm-hmm. about five years ago, six years ago, and I blew the teacher out of the water because I had taken Spanish like 15 years prior to that. So I remembered a lot of it. And, you know, what I was so upset about was that they, they took out the French, the Italian, and the German courses and just left Spanish. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, and you could have learned that stuff for free if you would have kept it. I mean, Spanish is great, but I kind of, once again, feel like, you know, other languages need to be represented. And now that... Mandarin, Japanese, Korean, and Arabic and Hindi are coming into play along with Portuguese from Brazil. I think these languages need to have some attention paid to them. I agree with you. Totally. You know, that's that's something that's majorly important. We deal with these people all the time. Mm-hmm. We just don't deal with Latin America, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Barbados, Trinidad, and Mexico. And, well, we're not really dealing with Cuba right now but which is unfortunate but you know um one thing that um I was reading a book uh by Trevor Noah and he said because he speaks multiple languages and he had said something he quoted someone and I honestly cannot remember whose quote it is it's not his but um he said if you speak to if you speak to a man in the language he understands, you speak to his mind. But if you speak to him in the language of his birth, you speak to his heart. And I thought, you know, that is probably what would help bridge a lot of the gap. Because people, oh, they might understand English, but I've heard people say all the time, like, oh, I can't really, I don't know what the word would be in English. Because it, the translation's not there. So having right. having access to, you know, learning how to speak with people in the language of their birth would help us to realize honestly there's we're a lot more alike than we ever were different exactly oh that's nelson mandela just said that by the way thank you you're welcome (laughs) that makes sense (laughs) you know and it's it is so and it's so funny too because um i have um bantu i have like 30 percent bantu tribe in me okay so i plan on learning swahili at some point Mm mm-hmm and, um, you know, I was able to test out um, a lot of the innovative language learning product line. And I just downloaded all the languages, even if I wasn't going to use them, because you <laughs> never know who you're going to speak with. Sure. And I do have to say, you know, Swahili is a beautiful language and people are learning it like left and right. Um, Afrikaans is another one that people are learning along with Zulu. Um Igba and a few others and you know I I think that's great I just I wish there were more uh, minorities out there that are you know doing something with their languages because um, they're not being represented very well and as you know in the polyglot community there's a large amount of people from all over but a lot of it is 
you know, Caucasian society. Yeah. You know, so you don't see enough of Latin America represented or Asia or the Middle East at all. Right. And it's just like, you know, with my show, I try to get more minorities too because I feel that it's not fair that, you know, it's saturated by men. All the men are, most of them are Caucasian. Most of them are either from Europe. It doesn't matter if it's West or East. Um, You might have a couple Aussies. You have some Canadians. You have some Americans. You know, but a lot of them are men. The women are there, but once again, it's not that many Blacks. It's not that many Latinas or Asians or people from the Middle East. And so, you know, you have to kind of, uh, you know, find people who want to tell their story because you're not, you're not hearing them. That's true. Which, um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Which is unfortunate because, you know, there's so many people out there that love learning languages and would love to tell their story and be heard, you know. That's so true. Um, I'm hoping one day um, I want to visit Australia and it would be my dream to live there one day, even if it's temporarily. But the Aboriginal and Strait, um, Torres Strait Islander communities have um, a lot of their languages uh, that are either um, they're barely spoken anymore or they're slowly dying. Like, um, I, and I've looked on YouTube to try to find them, you know, but they're just, they're not, they're telling their own stories. Like um, I follow, I'm a really big, huge um, Australian rules football fan. And one of my favorite players is from the Tiwi Islands, which is in the Northern Territories of Australia. And I didn't even know that that existed, okay? That's that's how lacking my American education has been. Like, when I thought Aboriginal, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, Australia. But, like, there's so much more there. But I'm like, okay, well, they're like the Tiwi people um, on Melville and Bathurst Islands. They speak Tiwi. Okay, so what is that? I went on YouTube and you are hard pressed to find. You can go on YouTube and like Spanish for beginners, German for beginners, Russian for beginners, but you're not going to find Tiwi for beginners. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And a lot of other languages, like I think I, I was going through my African language phase for a while and I saw some Zulu and some Kosa and things like that, but it wasn't, there wasn't a lot there. So you're absolutely right. Like those sorts of, um, there are not a lot of minorities sharing their languages from their perspective. There, are, I see a lot of white people saying, "Oh, I speak, you know, I speak Tiwi, I speak, um, you know, Zulu or Hosa or whatever it might be," but it's not the people speaking from their perspective and their experiences. You just don't see that very often, and it's heartbreaking. Well, yeah, it is. And and what's so sad is that these types of stories aren't being shared. People aren't really talking about it. Um, everybody is talking about from a Western European. Absolutely. Eastern European. Okay, they're starting to get into Asian, Asia more. They're starting to get into the Middle East a little bit or, 
you know, af- certain parts of Africa, which is probably white colonized. Yeah. Uh, for the most part. Um, no pun intended, of course, but this is what you see. And, you know, when people tell me I speak this many languages and then you find out all the languages come from the same family, it's not like it's a, a, a spread of different languages. Right. You're like, well, that didn't, it's, to me, it's like, okay, uh, so you speak German, Spanish, French, Italian, Brazilian, Portuguese. What happened in Romania? That's there. <laughs> you know, okay, you should just have finished it. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, well, you learned all these languages, but I, I, it's not like um, the next person I'm interviewing tomorrow, um, Ernestine Leon, she's out of Detroit, Michigan, and she's African-American, and she just became a congresswoman for her district over in Detroit back in November. Oh, wow. And, and she's only 34 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... I'm interviewing her, but this chick speaks Russian, Mandarin, Chinese, Hindi, and Arabic. That is impressive. Yeah. In in English, of course. And she's awesome. So she's agreed to come on the show. So she'll be next week's... Um, I'm going to do the interview, but then I'm going to put it out next weekend. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, I'm like this is like freaking awesome because once again, it's another person of color that I can talk to about their language learning experience and, you know, share it with other people because you don't see enough of it. That's true. And and then like, I'm a part of like black girls learning languages and black bilinguals and, and, you know, because I was a part of all these other communities that have my, you know, um, white Western European counterparts. However, uh, there weren't weren't any real minorities in the group. Right. And there was a lot of sexism and there was a lot of disability discrimination and, and you know, bashing and, you know, the bigger the group, the more you have that. Yeah. Everybody and, is a Superman on online. You know, everybody's super brave online. Yeah. And I mean, people have left because they were tired of all the harassment. I left a couple groups because of that. Yeah. You know, and, you know, people don't understand when you have a visual impairment, your technology doesn't work. That doesn't mean you're not intelligent. Yeah. Sure. And, and a lot of people seem to either feel for you or, you know, they don't have any empathy whatsoever, you know. But then if you attack them or they want you to explain everything to them like they're a five-year-old in full detail. And if you don't give them every detail with every punctuation in the right place, every T, T crossed and I dotted, then it's going to be taken down. You can't defend how you feel about the situation or how you've been treated. And it's like, well, why do I want to do this? This wasn't the reason I joined this group for. It sounds like an unnecessary headache and not a conducive environment to learning. Right. But if you are someone that learns differently, you have different ways of learning. Like I, I incorporate my food podcast into the group because 
you're learning about other people's culture. Right. And there's more to language learning than just speaking a language or reading it or writing in it. I agree. You know, if you really want to absorb the culture, learn the music, learn the learn how to cook a meal. You know, you learn so much about people. It's like I'm a part of a Lebanese cooking group. And I enjoy it. And people embrace my food and whatnot, you know. And I really enjoy cooking as well as when I have other hobbies as well. Uh But, you know, I let people know, you know, I'm not fixated 99% of the time with just, I'm learning this language and then I'm learning that language and blah, blah. No, because I do have other things that I want to incorporate my language into. I agree. Um, I know this, we were supposed to be talking about Egypt, but I'd like to plug Thailand here. Um, It was phenomenal. And one of the things that we did while we were there was take a cooking class with a local woman. And we ended up making pad thai. And um, we made something else, but the pad thai really stood out. That and that's where I started my love affair with mangoes. Um, I'm totally addicted to mango now. Um, But just we went to her home and she it was like through an airbnb experience and Mm -hmm. we went to the market with her so we went to a local market and picked out the food and she explained how she did it and what you know different things what we were getting these different vegetables for and it was so awesome and it was an experience too Uh, being blind there were some things that there are some times where being blind is very helpful um, like when you're walking through a, a Thai market and you're like, my sister's like, oh my God, they just, uh, they just pick that fish up and just cut its head off. You know, <laughs> crazy stuff like that. Like things that you would not see at Kroger. <laughs> right. Know? Um, but just learning how, and she was saying, she was telling us like, oh yeah, um, we, she's like, I go to the market, you know, a couple times a week. And this is the market I use. So it was just not not only, yeah, we learned a few words in Thai and things like that. But we learned part of, she shared her culture with us as she shared her kitchen. And so honestly, going forward, I think that's something I'd like to try to incorporate into my travels if we can. Like just do a cooking class in every country and to see what we learn. And, you know, because everyone, no matter where you are on this planet, you got to eat, you know. Right. So, and that that's one way that you truly can learn more about people. I think that's the problem though. I think a lot of people tend to forget that language learning isn't just about, I want to be the biggest interpreter on the face of the planet and work at the UN, or I want to work for the state department, or I want to do, you see what I'm saying? Right. You know, or I want to translate these documents because it's top secret. Oh, you know, (laughs) it's nothing like that. It's, you know, it's multifaceted. Right. Like you can use language for so much. You just got to find a niche. Truth. And like people ask me, well, how do you get blind people in? People who are cited to be in the same group and not fight. I was like, because everybody believe everyone enjoys what I'm doing, not how I'm doing it. That's the first thing. Number two, I know I'm not someone that likes drama. And number three, um, you know, yeah, I might have 146 people, but that's still a lot of people. And it's, 
the blind people, sighted people, people with cognitive disabilities, deaf people, doesn't matter. At the core of it, we are all people having a human experience. You're going to have people who are going to argue, going to make trouble. But for the most part, we're all here. You know, nobody forced anyone to join the group. There was no like, do this or else you and your family get exiled. Right. Right. Like, that's not what happened here. Everyone's here of of their own volition. So, you know, it's you're you may have some conflict here and there, but at the core of it, everyone is human. So, right. I mean, I have had to let go of a few people because two people, one person deliberately called me and was very critical. And I, you know, I can give someone the benefit of the doubt about a lot of things, but, you know, when I go to bed at night, I want to go to bed with a clear conscience. Yeah. And no stress. Right. When when I wake up in the morning and I'm still thinking about this and it still feels uncomfortable to me, okay, you don't call me and ask me what my faith is. It's something that's personal. Absolutely. And what does that have to do with language learning? And the reason why I that's a policy that is a rule is because there are people from all over the world that have different beliefs right and i want to respect everybody's belief but i'm not going to have you start drama and so i had to let her i had to take her out and then i had to take someone else out because they 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 were very um combative with one of the admins Mm. And they thought that they were talking to me, but they weren't talking to me. They were talking to another admin. And um, they assumed that I was sheltered. And I was like, dude, I lived in seven states. I've been educated the East Coast, the Midwest, the West Coast, and down South. So, no, I'm not sheltered. (laughs) Far from it. Not and, sure what that has to do with anything, though. Like, <laughs> right, right. I didn't get that either. But then the admin handled it very well, and I just took her out, and then I unfriended her personally, and then I blocked her because it was, I could tell, she was. It was just drama. Like, I was like, "Do you think forty-two or forty-three years old is old? That's not old. Old is my grandmother. She's gonna be ninety-three. <laughs> that, that's a, that's when you got some years on you, right? Right. <laughs> you look that, in, you and you and one hundred are, are can do high fives. You know that that's when you you made it far. Some people are just unhappy and they will look for any reason to start drama because that's the only way they know how to communicate. Does not excuse it ever, and that's right. one of the great things of being the boss. You can be like, okay, I'm gonna shut this down. And there's nothing that you can do about it. I'm not going to sit here and tolerate disrespect. And you should never, even from Facebook to real life, anything in between. Um, if you have, you should never tolerate disrespect like that. So I see, I see nothing wrong with that. It makes all the sense because they'll do that to you. The ad, you know, the, the moderator, the admin of the group, or even, even if they weren't any of the admin, then they will do that to another person. And they, before you know it, you have a hostile environment on your hands. And that's not right. what you want. And see, people have all these people in these groups. And I have people on Twitter that are not even a part of one group. Because it, it, there's so much sexism and racism and... All the isms. 
Yeah, all the isms. <laughs> and and it's just like, you're like, really? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, and then people expect you to be on Snapchat and TikTok. And I don't even know what the hell TikTok is. I don't get it. I right. look it up. I don't like it. This doesn't make sense to me. It reminds me of Snapchat. I don't see the difference. But I, I have never been on Snapchat. I don't even have an account. I'm this close to closing my Instagram account just because I'm not. I, I probably only posted 71 posts since I started my Instagram account last April. I'm like, why the hell am I here? Look, <laughs> I am uh, oldie but goodie. It took me a while to get on Facebook. And then when I got on there, I was a Facebook queen. And now, you know, everybody's gone. I had my, um, my, my cousin at the time. He was about 14. And he goes, Facebook's for old people. And I was like, ouch. But you know what? I don't care. I'm visually impaired. There is no reason why my blind behind should have, for for me, okay, this is not for everybody. For me, I can't see pictures. So why would I get an Instagram account? It would be for other people. And that's, I don't do things for other people, like, just to make them happy. That's ridiculous. So my only social media really is Facebook. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a YouTube channel, but like I told a friend of mine the other day, I watch YouTube more than I make content on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I, because once again, my eyes are very sensitive to the light, to the camera light. Right. And so half the time, I'm I'm not even doing my, my face anymore. I'm just doing my bedroom door or a wall or my TV or something. Just because the light's too much. And my eyes start you know, running, watering, oh. and then moving a lot because I have stagnance too. So, you know, like when people say, well, we want to see what you look like. And someone said she can't do that because her eyes are sensitive to the camera light. Then they understand. Mm-hmm. But I have to explain it like three times in order for them to get it. And it's just like, okay, I'm going to take a step back here and understand they really don't understand, but they will get it in about two seconds, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, I do love Twitter, um, but I enjoy Twitter and Facebook probably more so than YouTube and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And there are blind people that have YouTube channels and that's great. But do you have help with your YouTube channels and your videos and your editing? And I don't, I don't know how to edit. All that matters. You know, so I said, what you get in my podcast is what you get. You'll get a full conversation. You'll get something out of it or you won't get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I'm this close to having 12K listens. Congratulations. From 98 countries around the world. So That's awesome. And thank you. And I just started my cooking podcast last uh, month on the 2nd. So I have like an audience of 10 with 107 right now. So, you know, and I have like 12 episodes or something, but I know it's going to grow. Yeah. And it's going to take time, but you know, I'm not really worried about it. I'm happy that people come on my show and share their experiences with me and all the people out there, you know, and it's, it's nice to know when people appreciate what it is that you do, you know, people are like, well, you're, we admire what you do. I mean, it's amazing. And I mean, I can't believe how you learn all these languages and how you're so positive and how you, 
I was like, I appreciate it, but trust me, I'm like everybody else. I have my days when I'm down and out, mm-hmm. you know, just like anybody else. But I don't compete against anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it for myself. And a lot of times you see these people watching all this stuff and they're not really doing anything productive about learning their languages because they're looking at all these other people and they don't realize they probably took the same time to practice the language that they're learning, but they just didn't have the opportunity to um, uh show you the mistakes they made along the way. They showed you the final product. And sometimes that might be a good thing and sometimes it's not because you're pretty much showing them the final product without showing them how you did it from the beginning. And then they sit there and they look at it and they're like, well, I can never achieve this because look at what they did. But they don't realize that it took them that long just to get to where. That's true. I was honestly just thinking about that. I was thinking about it more in relation to um, I think sports, but it is true. Like you look at the people and like who can speak 20 different languages and you're like, wow, that's amazing. I'll never get there. But it's like, you're looking at the end result. Maybe it took them a long time. Maybe they thought like you want, so I'll never get there. Or, you know, you don't know. And um, one of my friends had said something one time and I thought so true. Um, sometimes people just don't want to do the work. He was like, everybody wants to be a boss till it comes time to do the work of one. And it's like, yeah, it's, it, we were an instant gratification society. We want it. We want it yesterday, you know, and it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't work that way. So if you right. really want to learn a language, if you want to learn about a culture, if you really want to dive deep and really get into the guts of it you have to take that time and also know that you will fail at some points, but failing does not mean failure. It just means that, okay, that time it didn't work. And what does that even look like? You know, a lot of people don't come in with the, with the game plan. I just want to learn Spanish or I want to learn, I want to learn Dutch. Okay. Why, you know, what, what led you here? Well, I just, what is, what does learning mean to you? Like what, what will, make you say okay i have mastered this language is it do you want to have a conversation with somebody do you want to read a book you know things like that like having smart goals was it specific measurable attainable i forget what the r is and time specific what is the r you know (laughs) it's it's funny because um leo shu said the same thing in a video he said i have all these different languages that i can speak a little you know I have my main languages that I can really speak very well. and But he said the rest of them are like A1, A2. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and he speaks, oh my god. I lost count. Okay? <laughs> but you, it's amazing because you got all these people like Shannon Kennedy, God bless her. She is a musician Um, by profession and she teaches music as well and you know she's a well uh, recognized polyglot in her own right but she learned her languages in college and for 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 you know her degree and she said that 
you know, she pretty much goes to like A2 in certain languages. You know, she might be higher in certain other languages like Mandarin and and Croatian and French and Japanese and Russian. But then the rest of them, like the Korean and all those other languages, is like A1, A2, you know, for the most part. She does a lot of reading, you know. She doesn't watch TV at all. She does a lot of reading and a lot of listening to Pim's Lawyer. And she also does drops. And she says she had to learn some Icelandic in 12 hours. And she did. But she said she would be able to probably pick it back up if, you know, she did, you know, time arose where she needed it. Just like she needed Hindi and German for work. And she glad she put the time into it because, you know, the project didn't wind up being done, but once it gets back on track, she said it wouldn't take her that long to get back in the mode of, of revising the language to where she can activate it again. You know, because once you learn something, you won't forget it. So for her, you know, she speaks like 12 languages, but she's not fluent in 12 languages. She's mm-hmm. like, it's basic conversation. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, she speaks Mandarin to her child and her husband speaks French and the rest of the family speaks English. Uh-huh. And so, you know, they, they live in a multi-lingual um, um, environment in their home. Uh-huh. And so, you know, she goes and, and has to give speeches and presentations in Japanese and in this language and that language. So that's why she's learning all these different languages. And I think she's supposed to be doing Hebrew this year, you know, for her own reasons. And, you know, they all say, I do this because I want to learn a little bit of this, or I want to spend six months learning this, or four months learning that. But that doesn't mean I want to be fluent. I just want enough to get by. Mm-hmm. And and see, when you actually say, I want enough to get by, I want A2, don't down somebody because they got only the A2. That is an accomplishment. They didn't know anything prior to that. Right. And I think that's what's wrong with people is that they sit there and they try to measure themselves against all these people and they don't even realize how many years it took for them to get there. I've been learning Spanish since I was about 11, 12 and I'm still not conversational, conversational enough. Clearly, I'm still messing up English, but <laughs> um, like, so it's the only person you're in competition with is the you from yesterday. And right. outside of that, it shouldn't matter what anyone else is doing or how fast or slow. That's none of anyone's business, you know, so. Yeah, and. and- that's the hard part though like I see a lot of that in certain groups is that they they're competing against each other or I want to learn 30 languages okay do you want to learn 30 languages at a1 a2 b1 what understand you're not going to you got to be able to maintain them all too that's what people need to understand as well the more languages you rack on your list the more you have to be able to maintain that yeah I mean, uh, your reason should be your own. And if that's, right. I mean, you want to learn how to say hello in 30, 30 different languages, that's good enough because that's more than a lot of people. Right. 
But at the same time, you know, you got so many skeptics, so many people criticizing because they think that they know it all. And I was like, no one knows it all. No one. Nobody. So, you know, I always tell people, enjoy the process. Stop worrying about other people and enjoy yourself. Find things that interest you. Like, for instance, I am going to be writing my cookbook this year. And I want to try to write it. A friend of mine is going to help me write it in French. And I'm going to do it in French. And I want to see if I can I can get it translated into Levantine Arabic. That's awesome. Yeah. But I don't know how long I want the cookbook to be. I don't know if I just want it to be a short little thing or not. Because I'm doing recipes as I go along. Like, I have 12 recipes right now. Oh, which probably be chapter one. Well, I mean, you could always start small and then release a second edition later with more. Yeah, I um, because I, I guess I, I look at it as, you know, I like doing crock pot stuff. I do a lot of stuff in my new wave oven. I do stuff on the stove. But I also like doing a variety of different dishes and desserts and drinks and like especially smoothies with sorbet, without sorbet, with yogurt, you know, so forth. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and people are like, man, you can't see very well, but you sure know how to cook. And I'm like, um, about 14 years ago, I didn't know how. <laughs> so it comes with a lot of time, just like anything else does, and a lot of work. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, if anything, I want people to understand this process is not something that just happens overnight. It takes time, just like with Russian. It took me 5,544 hours to get to a C1 level. And I wasn't even writing or reading. I was listening the entire time and speaking the entire time. I lived and eat and breathe Russian for that long because I loved it that much. And I taught myself. Uh-huh. And so, you know, my grammar might not be the greatest, but people still understand me. And that's the important part. You, you know, if I can have a two or three hour conversation with my ex-boyfriend's mother and she speaks no English, that tells you something. That's true. So, you know, I always tell people you have to go with what you you feel most comfortable with. And, and you know, I always say if you do the same thing in your native tongue, do it in the target language. Because you will find more fulfillment and enjoyment out of it by doing it that way than trying to find a new hobby in the language. Mm-hmm. So if you like to cook, find some recipes from that country. Join a, a cooking group, you know, that cook recipes from that country. Make friends that way. Um, you know, if you like fashion, find a group of people that they're from Lebanon or whatever country, you know. If you find a music artist or whatever, or a book, you know, or a TV show, anything to connect you to the language, that's what's important, that you have a connection. Otherwise, you know, you would have, you would have started and then, you know, whatever period of time you put into it, whether it's less or more you find out that you wind up giving up because it really wasn't the language for you. And I think the other tip I would probably give is don't follow other people and how they do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be inspired by somebody, but find your own way. 
no matter how inspired you are, you will still have your own journey. You can ask how they got, how they did what they did and get chapter and verse, but you are not them. So you will always have a completely different journey. It might be parallel, but it won't be play for play. I mean, because I see a lot of that. Like, there are people that I admire in the polyrock community, but then there, it's just like, I'm not y'all exactly i don't learn the same way and i think everyone understands that to some extent but still some people are skeptical as the saying goes be yourself because everyone else is already taken so yeah that's for sure um (laughs) and and you know i for those people that have doubt i mean because there's you know people beat themselves up and i see this on twitter all the time I didn't get that grammar point right. Or I didn't get that phrase right. Well, um, I'll give this prime example. I always like to learn how to order food in a language. And learn the basic introductories of a language. You know, like introductory um, phrases. Uh-huh. So when I go into the restaurant, I can ask, how are you? Thank you, all those sort of things. And then I can kind of improvise a little bit. And I'll order whatever I want to order. <laughs> And then after I do that, I will, um, you know, have a basic conversation, make that the goal of the month or two that I'm studying for that particular part of my goal, you know, um, in order to get me relaxed in the language, you know, when speaking with people in person. But I'm not taking my phone and looking anything up. Even if I make a mistake, they don't care. The fact I attempted to do it was what was impressive to them. Agreed. More so than I need to take my phone and start looking this up. Well, why don't you prepare ahead of time? You know. Everyone has their ways of doing it. So. Yeah. And I, I, it was like, well, how do you, I was like, okay, you just told me that you went somewhere and you didn't know how to order food in X language. But you went to the country and you knew you were going to have to eat, but you didn't know how to order food. That's bad. <laughs> because you got to be able to know what you want to eat. Because the, the food there might be totally different. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Than it is wherever you come from. And they might have similarities, but they have a lot of differences too. And you kind of got to watch it because some foods might not be, you know, Oh, oh yeah agreeing with you or you know you might not be able to drink the local water because of this reason mm-hmm. I was going to ask you real quick what was that like did you guys have to drink bottled water was absolutely um you in every country even when we went to the UK it is not recommended to drink the water if you are not from there but especially in Egypt um and Thailand Costa Rica all those places they were like don't drink the water so there was lots of bottled water to be had. Um, if anyone goes to Egypt, I say be careful, though, because um, one of our tour group, they saw people and they were filling up what like some of the people in the markets were saying they were selling water, but they were filling up water bottles from, you know, the, the tap and then giving selling it to people. So sometimes you I mean, you're going to get unscrupulous people everywhere so you just have to be keep your head on the swivel 
keep your wits about you. Don't do anything stupid and you'll be fine. But yeah, yeah. the water, definitely don't drink it. Yeah, because I was just curious about that because they say the same thing for Mexico as well. You know, don't drink the water. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know someone that's in that was in Mexico right now, and they said, "Okay, so how are you dealing with that? You know, are you getting bottled water? What are you doing? You know, I mean, because the facilities are different, the bathrooms are different, everything's different. So, you know, there's some places where they their bathrooms are different. You know, not like Western." society mm-hmm. so you have to kind of adjust to that you do have to learn um, I noticed that they have a lot of uh, push buttons in other countries where were we that was Egypt I believe uh, and a lot of other countries as well uh, they've got instead of like the flush toilets they have mm-hmm. the push buttons that are like on the wall though oh I've seen those here in the states yeah but you don't see them a lot Right. So, they, uh, one thing that got me when we went to Ireland, oh boy, that was interesting. So, they had this thing and it was called, no, not, it wasn't called the family cloth. That's something else altogether. And that is really disturbing to me. So, no disrespect to anybody who uses that. But it was like a paper towel, but it was like more like a regular towel. So, it was in the public bathroom and it was on this like, hanger thing and you dry your hands and I guess eventually people would take it off and get a new one but it was like a rotating towel and I'm like how is this sanitary because <laughs> you know? they didn't have paper towels but I mean it is a, a cool way to cut down on you know um, uh, paper what, yeah paper one use you know one use paper but at the same time I'm like is this sanitary? Everybody's just using this towel, even though it's on a roller thing. I don't know. I I didn't quite comprehend it, and I was you know I do that in my house. Yeah, but y- you're it's it's your house, We're right? In a public bathroom. <laughs> well, you know what? I actually did go in some swanky hotel a long time ago. Mm. It was like twenty something years ago, and they actually had hand towels in there for you to wipe your hands off with. They didn't have paper towels. That was like the first time I ever seen it. I was like, ooh. Interesting. Yeah. <sighs> but, but, you know, I can definitely understand the cultural differences of, you know, wanting to travel. I mean, because I've been to, like, Toronto, Canada, and that's mm-hmm. as far as I've gone outside of the U.S. But I would love to go overseas you know but I always feel that if you do you really need to know the laws the customs you know the do's and the don'ts before you go because if you don't and something happens you kind of want to be prepared I would say do of course do a get a basic understanding of where you're going but a lot of it is just reasonable behavior for a person Right, like when we were in Egypt, one of the things that I just did not get, we were at one of the um, temples, I can't remember, it was not Abu Simbal, it was, um, I think, um, okay, it's not coming to me, I had it, I see it in my head, but it's not happening. Anyway, there were people, and they were standing on these, like, 
on the exhibits, like trying to get these selfies. And it was like, you're standing on history and you're disrespecting it. Now you should know that this is going to come with a fine at the very least. You could totally get arrested. Um, but they're, they're posing on the, the, you know, and it's like, how disrespectful are you being, you know? So if you get picked up by, by some, by the local cops for that, that's on you. Cause you should know better that you should not be trying to, um, this is not what they were doing because we did go, we did get, get to see the Sphinx, but it's like, uh, it's uh, fenced off, but that's mm-hmm. like standing on the Sphinx. Like here, I want to get the selfie, you know, it's so mm-hmm. disrespectful, but they were doing things very akin to that. So mm-hmm. it's like, if, as long as you don't do anything ridiculously stupid, you're most likely going to be okay. You know? Right. There's some things that are just kind of commonplace, like don't steal, right? Right. <laughs> you don't do that here either, so. Now, I just have two more questions. One, okay, did y'all ever see the pyramids? We did. Um, We got to um walk along the side of one, and then there's a spot out in one of, uh, a, a spot out in the desert where you can get a picture of all three of them together. And, um, it was really cool. Well, that had to be interesting to actually be there in the desert uh-huh. yep. next to a big monument that was built over 2,000 years ago. Yeah, it was wild. It was like when you really stop and think about it, you're like, man, this is history. Like everywhere you walk, sure, is history. But my goodness, like this is history that, you know, built the world. And it's wild. Oh yeah, and I that was another reason why I liked uh Middle Eastern history when I was taking a world history course through Hatley a couple of years ago. And I mean that was one of the parts of history I enjoyed because it was so rich. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Even though a lot of Western Europe decided to want to dominate it. Yeah. They 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 did that a lot. I mean, I think they're coming back to regret it a oh, little yeah. bit. You know, I mean, because now it's like all these people have their own identities and, you know, you gotta... After it was stolen from them by colonialism. Right. I mean, but look at what we have to go through as minorities in our own country. Uh-huh. You know, and if you're a minority, that's one thing. If you're a minority and disabled, that's another thing altogether different. And, you know, I don't think too many people realize that. Like, there's like 300 million blind people worldwide. Mm-hmm. Now, how many of those 300 million are VI? I don't know. But, you know, I've, I've come to understand that because of technology, the internet, we're able to communicate, you know, a lot more. Um, better than about 20 years ago. So true. And, you know, I kind of am happy that, you know, in regards to language learning, we have more access to more materials than ever before in whatever format we want it. Well, I mean, as long as you have a Braille display at your at your disposal, um, you know, you have either Android or iPhone, the internet, you know, the world's the limit pretty much. Yeah. If being the operative keyword, because not everyone does, but we right. are in a better position now than we've ever been to 
be part of the global community as people with disabilities. Yeah, I mean, because there are people like Emily Davidson in the UK who has, she's visually impaired and she only can see like 10 feet in front of her or something. But she has other disabilities on top of the blindness. Yet, you know, she works and has her blog and her Instagram blog. 